Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Are the New York Jets actually the best team in the AFC East? A close game on Sunday night brings with it questions about both the Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Plus, the SEC and possibly the national championship feels like it's Georgia's to lose. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with even more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets got a monster win at MetLife Stadium on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, who look like they might just be the best team in the league. Five sacks, eight quarterback hits, and six passes defense for a dominating Jets defensive performance. And you get a performance from Zach Wilson that is just enough, just enough, no big mistakes to get a 20 to 17 win. Joining me now from Locked On Jets, John Butchko and John. What was the secret to what the Jets were able to do against this Bills attack with Josh Allen that has run through just about everyone this season? You know, Peter, it's interesting. I think that this was the formula the Jets would have drawn up before the start of the season. Lean on the defensive line, lean on the corners, get a great defensive performance, run the ball effectively, and as you said, just get just enough out of Zach Wilson. But I got to tell you, first half, I thought Buffalo dominated the game. They were pretty much doing whatever they wanted on offense. Jets even had a bad break at the opening kickoff because Braden Mann, who was handling the kickoff, slipped. So the Bills ended up he ended up mishitting it. The Bills got the ball on the 45-yard line to begin the game. The first play, they hit a big pass to Stephon Diggs. Fortunately for the Jets, Allen throws a really bad interception right after that. But Bills were moving the ball pretty effectively in the first half. Jets were struggling, but... They just held on, and they got to the locker room 14-10. They had a big touchdown drive right before the half, and it just had one of those feel, one of those feelings like the Bills really should have put the Jets away. And the second half, it was a different game. And I'll tell you, Peter, there was something that happened at the beginning of the second half. First of mm. all, the Jets put together a long drive, but there was also a delay because there was an issue with the sky cam that they had to take down during the game. So when you add up halftime and you add up the long drive the Jets put together, it was like a 13-play drive. And then an additional delay for Skycam, I wonder how whether the Bills' offense maybe lost a little bit of its rhythm. And the Jets' defense, the defensive line played great in the second half. They were able to take advantage. And then the Jets got the run game working on the game-winning drive. The Jets completed one pass. They started from their four-yard line. and They ended up getting into field goal range for Greg Zorland to kick a field goal. They completed one pass. It was Michael Carter. It was James Robinson. So really the formula for the Jets – Great defensive performance. They got the run game working, and Zach Wilson played efficiently. Yeah, and now you look at these two teams: the New York Jets six and three, the Buffalo Bills six and two, and and the Jets have a win. I want to I want to frame that relationship through this lens. Last week, the Packers, in a loss to the Bills, they run for two hundred yards. This Jets team on Sunday, thirty four carries for one seventy four. That's over five yards a carry and a touchdown. If you're a team like the Jets or any other team in the AFC, does what you've seen over the last few weeks change the way that you view a matchup like this when you are as good a run team as the Jets are in the way that maybe some other teams in the AFC are going, hey, maybe this this Bills team is more vulnerable than we thought they were defensively? I think in a way it does because 
I really did not think, and I don't think many people thought the Jets were going to be able to compete with the Bills. I mean, look, Buffalo entered this game on the road as a double-digit favorite. I picked, I picked the Jets to cover, I will say. Good for you, Peter. Uh, but <laughs> I uh, I would not have picked the Jets to cover. Uh, but I, I think to an extent it does. I, look, the Bills are still the favorite in the AFC, but I, my takeaway from this is the Jets have a puncher's chance to make some noise in this conference now because – it's easy to dismiss what the team has done. Listen, they had a run against a lot of backup quarterbacks, and even in the game they beat Green Bay. I mean, I don't think Aaron Rodgers was 100% in that game, and that was like the one game the Jets had won this year over a healthy starting quarterback. But at 6-3 and three with a win over Buffalo, it's tough to dismiss them. Listen, the Bills are going to be the favorite if the Jets beat them down the line. You know, There's a matchup in the postseason, but I think at this point, when you can run the ball like this, like the way the Jets are doing, when you can play defense like the Jets are doing, if they get decent play out of Zach Wilson, I, mean, I give him a puncher's chance against anybody right now. Stay up to date all year on the New York Jets by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Jets podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, what did we learn about the Chiefs and the Titans after a dramatic Sunday night game? Before we dive into that, we'll go to Houston, where the celebration is only beginning. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. Lamar Jackson has a number of key playmakers missing in tonight's game. Bet Online still has the Ravens favored by a point over the Saints in New Orleans. That means Jackson may try to do it with his legs in this one. Bet Online has Lamar Jackson's rushing total over under set at 61 and a half. And for the Ravens' offense on the whole, BetOnline has the team scoring at 25 and a half points. I like the under on that one. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Houston Astros may have looked out of sorts after losing game three in the World Series, but they dominated the next three to take home the title. H.O. Wheelhouse here, live from the World Series where the Astros beat the Phillies. We won Houston. You got us. Major League Baseball has a problem. If this isn't the only title this team's going to win, we're going to come back next year. Y'all better know that Yoran Alvarez is arriving. It doesn't matter if Verlander comes back because we got Hunter Brown on the mound. We got Framber Valdez. We got four aces. We got a bullpen that only your team wants. That's right. We are the envy of the league. The Houston Astros and Locked On is the number one podcast with the number one team in all the land. I'm H.L. Wheelhouse. Stay tuned. Eric will have a live reaction. We'll do a joint show tonight. Let's go! The Chargers had their backs against the wall at the end of the game and came through with a big win over the Falcons in Atlanta. I know Chargers fans are checking their blood pressure after that one. The Chargers picked up a big win over the Atlanta Falcons, 20-17. This is David Drogamon of the Locked On Chargers podcast, and on offense, Justin Herbert did a great job of spreading the wealth. He had 245 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, also completed five passes to five different receivers in this one. Had a great performance by Josh Palmer, who stepped up big in the absence of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, eight receptions, 108 yards. Austin Eckler, two more touchdowns on 71 all-purpose yards. That's 10 touchdowns in his last five games. He's on an absolute tear. On defense, the Chargers gave up a lot on the ground. 201 rushing yards. The Atlanta Falcons ran all day at will. But the Chargers defense came up with the stops when they needed it. Also got a fantastic turnover by Khalil Mack, who dropped back into coverage. 
and ripped the ball right out of Drake London's hands and rushed, rumbled back for 45 plus yards. A big win for the Chargers, a win that has the potential to change the trajectory of this season for the Chargers. But for more on this game and for more on the Chargers, please check out the Locked On Chargers podcast, your team every day. And after being decimated on Monday Night Football by the Browns last week, the Bengals came back this week and decimated the Panthers, thanks to a record-setting day from Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon carried the Cincinnati Bengals to an important Week 9 win, a demolition of the Carolina Panthers at home going into the bye. I'm Jake Lesko from the Locked On Bengals podcast, and for a team in the Bengals that was among the worst, especially in terms of EPA per play or other efficiency metrics in the running game this year, going against the Carolina team that was one of the best on defense against the run, this isn't something that many saw coming. Joe Mixon sets a Bengals franchise record with five total touchdowns in the game, going for over seven yards per carry, over 200 total yards in the game as the Bengals put this one to bed early. For more details, for more analysis and a breakdown of what went right for the Bengals early in this game, we've got you covered over at Locked On Bengals, covering your team every day. Cardinals find themselves at the bottom of the NFC West after falling to the Seahawks and questions need to be asked of the men leading Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals lose again, this time 31-21 to the Seattle Seahawks, falling to three and six and remaining in the cellar of the NFC West. I'm Alex Clancy with Locked On Cardinals. What we watched today was just another episode in the same TV series we've been watching since week one. The offense looks brilliant at times and then goes missing. And the defense is left to pick up the pieces, keep the Cardinals in games for the chance that the Arizona Cardinals offense will emerge once again to try and put some points on the board. This offense is not well coached. This defense is. This offense has a lot of talent. The defense, not as much. What we're seeing now is a conflict from a side of the football that should be the strength that isn't and the other side of the ball that is the strength that isn't equipped to win games for the Arizona Cardinals. It's messy. It's murky. What's coming next? We can talk about it. Monday through Friday, free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Here is another story you need to know. Despite being heavy underdogs heading to Kansas City with a rookie quarterback starting, the Tennessee Titans held their own. In fact, looked like they might just go in and steal this game from the Chiefs, sending it to overtime when Patrick Mahomes, as he often does, ended up prevailing 20-17. to 17. Joining me now from Locked on Titans, our pal Tyler Rowland and, and Ty, this is a game that, that Tennessee was in from go and in this entire game. So even with a rookie quarterback who looked really overmatched for much of the game, how did mm-hmm. this change your perception of the, let's call it the realness of the Titans as a contender in the AFC? Well, I got to tell you, for somebody who covers the team every single day, this basically just confirmed exactly what I thought I knew about the Tennessee Titans. Mm. Number one, they have an incredible defense. This I know that the Titans haven't had the strongest schedule of opponents leading into this, but you can see the way they play defense against Kansas City in this game, despite Patrick Mahomes having gaudy statistics. People who watched the game 
saw how well the Tennessee Titans defense played and all they were able to do against the best offense in the NFL. So that check, the Titans have a tremendous championship level defense, really. But you also confirm the bad parts of this team. Number one, you look at Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator. The Titans have scored, I believe, nine points in the fourth quarter the entire season. We're mm. through nine weeks, and they scored nine points in the fourth quarter all year. This team is historically bad in the second half on offense. And it's obvious what's happening. They went away from Derrick Henry in this game. Instead of creatively using Malik Willis's athleticism, with read option plays and with halfback screens and things to make it easy on him. They tried to make Malik Willis, Ryan Tannehill and a drop back passer. So that was confusing. So you're not using Derrick Henry quite enough. You're not utilizing the skill set of your backup rookie quarterback who would struggle to be just a consistent, you know, drop back passer anyway. And then it not only confirmed that the Titans offensive coordinator is bottom of the barrel in the NFL, but it also confirmed that John Robinson has committed malpractice with the wide receiver group that the Titans yeah. have. Yes, they have two rookies on injured reserve right now, but those are rookies. And as somebody who covers the Packers, you know how up and down rookie wide receivers can be and to count on them sure to be do. your best wide receiver, your third best wide receiver. Well, that's just rough. And you got A.J. Brown in the middle of the game tweeting out laughing emojis saying, nobody's open, blah, 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 rubbing it in the Titans' face while he sits undefeated. And it's hard not to look at the wide receiver group that you got Cody Hollister, Nick Westbrook, Akine, even Robert Woods coming off the ACL. And then who else? After that, it's already that bad. So um, malpractice with the wide receiver group by general manager John Robinson. Terrible play calling in the second half by offensive coordinator Todd Downing. And a fantastic defense. And I think those three components are the story of the Titans season, regardless of who plays at quarterback. Yeah, to your point, two targets for Robert Woods, no catches, not great. And then on Patrick Mahomes, 446 yards, that seems like a lot. But on 68 attempts, he averaged only 6.6 yards per attempt. Yep. Very un-Mahomes-like in this game. So let mm -hmm. me ask you this point blank. How does this game change if Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback? Is that difference enough to push them over the top? I do. I do think so. I think if Tannehill would have been able to play in this game, I think the Titans did quite enough. And while Malik Willis, Malik Willis was not the problem in this game. Malik Willis wasn't at fault in this game. And I think anybody who's logical knew that when you take Malik Willis out of Liberty, he's not going to be ready in week one. So the fact that he had some nice plays out there, had some good location on some of his throws, things like that. That's all pluses for Malik. This is house money right now. You knew he'd take time to develop, but if the Titans have Ryan Tannehill out there and they can be a little more aggressive in the pass game in that second half to try to create maybe one or two more explosive plays to kind of cap things off, I think they would have been able to. Stay up to date all year on the Tennessee Titans by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Titans podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, the Georgia Bulldogs sit atop the SEC and really all of college football. It was an incredible weekend of SEC football. Four teams in the top 10 going head to head. And in a thriller, LSU, the 10th ranked team in the country, pulls out a 32 to 31 win over sixth ranked Alabama in overtime 
on a gutsy two-point conversion attempt. Jaden Daniels was the star in this one. 182 yards, two touchdowns through the air, and another 95 and a touchdown on the ground. Joining me now from Locked On SEC, our pal Chris Cordy. And Chris, let's start with the play of the game. What did you think before we saw the outcome of the two-point conversion? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm never a fan of those kind of plays. I, I'm I'm more of the guy who, who plays it safe. You know, we're seeing this across the NFL a lot now where so many teams go for it on fourth down, so they go for two because the analytics say two. And I don't know, I'm a little old school and I like to play it safe. <laughs> I would have kicked the extra point and said, let's go to to double overtime. But no, I mean it was it was a gutsy, gutsy call by by Brian Kelly. And, you know, look, I think if they come up short, they say it was Alabama, it was Bryce Young and Man, we hung with them and we just didn't win. Uh, but you get that two-point conversion, and man, it propels you now. You know, you are in the driver's seat in the SEC West. I don't know anybody who had LSU pick to go to Atlanta. If they take care of business these next couple weeks against Arkansas and Texas AM, they're going to Atlanta and playing, you know, Georgia in the SEC championship game. And so uh very surprised. You know, Nick Saban team having two losses at this point in the season, very rare. Uh, but it just shows how undisciplined this team is with sloppy penalties still left and right. And, you know, just a very good team, but not unbeatable team. Yeah, the, the Brian Kelly coach selection has been mocked because of some of the things that Brian Kelly has done. But on the field, it is pretty hard to argue, especially right now with with the product that they've seen on the field. Speaking of the product on the field, the Georgia Bulldogs 27 to 13 over the number one ranked Tennessee Volunteers, that Georgia defense held Hendon Hooker to 13 points and the Volunteers offense not able to match with the big bodies of this Georgia Bulldog defense. Why did why did why did this happen to Georgia? Why why were they the third ranked team still sitting here nine or eight and oh, I guess, going into this game? Why why did we think that anything different was gonna happen, Chris? Yeah, because the college football playoff rankings, they're the whole thing is for them to give us something to talk about. And, you know, that they saw it as, hey, let's put Tennessee number one. They've looked very impressive. Yeah, but Georgia's been pretty good, too. I, I will say, I mean, Georgia, when they were beating up on Auburn and Vandy, I kept saying, I, I mean, they're good, at, but how good are they? We don't know. Yeah. They haven't really played anybody outside of Oregon week one who they demolished. Uh, this was their first, you know, true test since that week one game. And, man, did they pass it with flying colors. Uh, Athens was rocking. That stadium was rocking. And the whole Tennessee to – their lowest point total of the, of the year, lowest yardage total. He kept Hendon Hooker at his worst game of the year. I mean, it was it was impressive and dominant from the word go. And, uh, you know, they scored their first touchdown of the game with like four minutes left in the game. Uh, Tennessee did. It was as dominant as, as any performance from Georgia. And that defense still really good. This just in, Peter, the reigning champs are still very good. <laughs> yeah, the 13 was all aesthetics at the end of that game, to be sure. So as you look around the college football landscape, is there a team where you go, okay, this team actually has a chance to hang, not just hang, but but compete with and potentially beat Georgia? Yeah, I mean, I think LSU will provide some some interesting dynamics if that is what the SEC championship game is going to be. Um, I still think Kentucky is, you know, they're, they're a Jekyll and Hyde team. One team, one week they look really good, one week they look terrible. Uh, they maybe can give Georgia some some trouble if if Will Levis plays one of his better games of the year. But I just look at that you know projected SEC title game and Jaden Daniels is playing like a, a man possessed in recent weeks. Uh, you know, outstanding against Florida, Ole Miss, and now you know game on the line makes the play against Alabama. 
I think that would be a very dangerous matchup for Georgia. But at the end of the day, it feels like the dogs are going to go undefeated. They're going to get into the playoff and they're going to be a very scary, dangerous number one overall team again. Stay up to date all year on the SEC by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On SEC podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. And finally, Doug Peterson notched a Jaguars milestone on Sunday. Yes, first-year coach Doug Peterson won his third game and, get this, moved into sole possession of fifth place on the Jaguars' all-time wins list for head coaches. Fifth all time. He surpassed Mel Tucker, Mike Malarkey, and yeah, Urban Meyer. Let that sink in for a minute. Unbelievable, that franchise. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, can the Ravens keep pace with the top AFC teams? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.